Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 229. I'm Brent Wingate. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, Mutant Madness is heating up as we move into the Elite Eight and Final Four. Moon Knight has premiered on Disney Plus, and <laughs> boy, is it crazy. Uh, we read and reviewed the first six issues of the newest Moon Knight series. Uh, there's news you can't use. Uh, and the uh, Destiny of X is upon us as Immortal X-Men premieres. And as always, we want to plug me daddy. Still never works. We're never changing the bit. <laughs> All right. But first, a little housekeeping. Obviously, today is a little lighter uh, of a crew. Uh, Clark is now a proud uncle. So uh, please wish him Ooh. and his family congratulations. Congrats. Ryan, unfortunately, had some uh, pressing work matters. And Kaylin has no respect for the show and the product that we put out. He just, just doesn't he care. He just really gave up. Yeah. <laughs> He's phoning it in. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to some Mutant Madness updates because that's what the people want. This month, Homo Superior is asking all of you to vote on your favorite X-Men storylines over the decades in a March Madness style bracket. We've broken down 64 storylines. Yes, that's right. 64. <laughs> Can you even do numbers go that high? I can't count that high. And it's broken into four major divisions, the Claremont era, the extreme 90s, the rise and fall of the mutants, and the fall and rise of the mutants. Um, this past week, we completed the suite 16 and the Elite Eight. Whoa. And we're down to the final four. But first, let's do a little memorial for those who couldn't make it all the way to the end. Days of Future Past. Executioner's Song. House of M. Hellfire Gala. Oh, that was a good one. Mutant Massacre. Didn't read that one. Phalanx Covenant. Definitely never read you that one. You can see the tears on my face right now. Second Coming. There's Phoenix Resurrection. Inferno 88. Fatal Attractions. Inferno 89. Messiah Complex. Inferno 2021. Inferno 90. It's so sad to see these great and terrible comics go by the wayside, but... Who cares, really? R.I.P., y'all. Yeah. All right. While we're recording, you're voting on whether or not uh, the Dark Phoenix Saga or Age of Apocalypse will make it to the finals. Age of Apocalypse. Vote right now. And, uh, you know, so I guess this is happening in the past for you. <laughs> so you you better have already <laughs> you voted. Hope you better have voted right now. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can change the results now. It's too late. Uh, and while you're listening, Friday, uh, you're voting for E for Extinction or... House of X, Powers of Ten, to make it through the finals. I'm really rooting for Hawks and Pox to go all the way, even though I know that vintage stuff is going to beat out, you know, newer stuff. Yeah, I mean, I really do. I, as a mega fan of Age of Apocalypse, want that in the top against Hawks and Pox. I think there's always that conversation of, like, Hawks and Pox couldn't have happened unless they had all the stuff from all of the other years that the X-Men are around, but... It is just such a crisp and great storyline. And it also, like, the history is great, but the two of us are probably the least expert in terms of what's been happening in the comics lore over the 30-plus years. That, I mean, I mean, 50-plus years that's been out. But it, The 26 or six, 5 5, years. 2? I don't know. How long has this podcast been on? Is that when it started? But no, I really like... It really was a immediate jumping on point. Like, you don't need a lot of the history in order for so many of the relationships and big moments, particularly in Hickman's writing 
to make sense. So I think it's needs some credit. It's, it's the same problem we had with Mutant Madness when we did it with the teams, yeah. which is that you can't just keep going back to say, well, they were the original template or uh, M, M, no, I guess like blueprint. There yeah. we go. <laughs> but so that's where I'm just at where I'm like, it's time to start keep crowning new things. I guess I just generally like when a, a product is perfected rather than when it's, you know, it the, the it's got the nascent steps of it. Like a pioneer who does bad work, but is like completely new is less interesting than when someone finally nails it. Well, that's kind of, I always think of one of my favorite divas, Lady Gaga, my only favorite diva, but like, obviously like, monster the monster ball and all the stuff before that was great but it and it got her to where she was today but there's like so many good songs and other albums and shit she's putting together now that i'm like it'd be ridiculous to basically be like well she couldn't have gotten that far unless she produced those albums to begin with and it's like to your point exactly it's like i'd rather see perfection than just know where something started kind of idea yeah so uh next week we'll have our finals if there's any uh, outcome that you didn't like please uh, at Kalen on Twitter, <laughs> slide into our DMs to you know send any aggressive photos you feel like uh, threatening. Him Make with. them not safe for work, yeah. and then tell Kalen to open them at work. Yeah, <laughs> include viruses. <laughs> um, I will say, since we talked about that, we do record Thursday nights. I'd love to give a shout out for International Transgender Day of Visibility. So just wanted to call that out and celebrate it. Um, and now, as a perfect transition, it's now to talk about See You Next TV. Which See You Next TV is our weekly segment focused on the latest and greatest of the MCU Disney Plus TV shows. While we'll fully digest the entire series as extra issues, we know folks can't wait to talk about weekly spoilers and reveals. So let's get down with Moon Knight Episode 1. So Disney Plus's newest MCU TV series starring Oscar Isaac is the titular Moon Knight, launched this past Wednesday with an episode that felt like a drug trip, similar to that time I was recently on a drug trip at the DC Arboretum. We get a good look at the life of Stephen Grant, a British museum clerk by day, blacked out, tied to a bed, amnesiac at all times. The blackouts are found to be caused by Stephen sharing the same body and mind with that of Mark Spector, an American mercenary who straight up murders people when Stephen's not looking, and also takes calls from the enigmatic Layla. Through dream sequences and teleportation, as well as real-life attacks, we get a look at Arthur Harlow as well, a cult leader worshiping the Egyptian god Amit, played by Ethan Hawke, who walks on glass and is on the hunt for Stephen and Mark Scarab. All through the action, there's the mysterious voice of Khonshu, who's played by F. Murray Abram, connected to the Scarab, and Mark Spector, who is hunting and protecting Stephen from Harlow's CGI goon squad. Uh, What did you think of this first episode? I'll start with Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought... Well, so first, I think it actually came out surprisingly a day early, uh, but... Oh, it did come out Yeah, early. it came out a day early, oh. and everyone was very excited about it, but for whatever reason, I don't feel like it was... It's not, it's not like Rick and Morty dropping an episode or, uh, you know, the MCU dropping Infinity War a month earlier mm-hmm. or something. It's, it's like one day, and you kind of wonder if that wasn't just like... A mistake. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, I think... Uh, Oscar Isaac is is just such a great actor. Uh, he really seems befuddled as uh, Stephen um, in a way that I think is charming and funny. Um, I'm glad he's friends with Willie Nelson, the Golden Man. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it was pretty good. I I'm I got very annoyed once again that the episode is only like 20 minutes long because you always want more. But 
Okay. Yeah. How long was it? Was it a full 40 minutes or was it a little bit? No, short? no, no, no. It was shorter. Than it that. was like, it was not. No, yeah. they, they needed four hours for the. Well, and it's, it's crazy because it's here. a really good start. Like I think what I loved and I, I know it's been getting some immediate kind of backlash already for more like critics or general. eye. like what I can appreciate about it. And I know why there might be people having reactions to it is like, it kind of is, it's very, it is like a drug trip. So like, it doesn't fit the mold of like a typical pilot of a TV show. It yeah. doesn't fit the mold of even just like a Kickstarter for like a mini series on like an HBO or Netflix. Yeah. There's so much left ungrounded. Like you really don't know what the fuck could happen next. Besides the fact that there's all this shit happening to Steven slash Mark Spector involved with Kanshu. And then, you know, that Arthur Harlow's uh, a fucking bitch and out there and trying to, it's, <laughs> Try new, uh, what is it called? Like, judge people by having them swing a cane between his arms and then looking at his tattoo. I got to say, the biggest thing that really threw me out of the show because I thought the acting, the general concept, and even like is the that crazy you can't editing. imagine someone with a tattoo judging other people. Uh, well, no, I would. I really like I that whole the sequence where he teleports to wherever Arthur is with like his you know most of his people and he's judging people and then the chase. That CGI mama is rough. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I like tried to keep reminding myself, well, it's a dream sequence sort of. So maybe it's just like, I wish it would have been even more cartoony to make it not feel as fake as it did, because that was a really they, they rough They really tried to sequence. hide the uh, the jackal in the shadows, uh, but then they also had it like climb on the ceiling and uh, and do like anything but actually attack <laughs> Steven. <laughs> but Khonshu looks fucking fantastic design wise and like nailing yeah. that look. I think it looks really good. That's where they probably spend all that money right now. Obviously, we get the reveal of his costume towards the end. Um, so also very excited about that. Um, I need to give a shout out to uh, Donna, who is the manager at the museum, played by Lucy Thackeray. That character is fucking fantastic. Their chemistry is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like Everything about those opening scenes made me fall in love with the show. So I really hope, I don't think it's very like, I know the source material can go any sort of way, but like, I just love that. That doesn't feel like an MCU show, I should say. And that's why I think I really like it. Besides the bad action. Yeah, the CGI. I mean, I know I'm worried that when we get back to like, th because they aren't going to avoid any of the stuff that actually makes him the Moon Knight, the, that backstory. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm worried that, that that's just going to be boring and who cares. If they just kind of started it already here and had one sentence where it's like, yeah, you died. Khonshu brought you back they're going to delve into it and show here's what actually happened. It's like, I don't really care. I think this is a much better way of introducing us to a character. Um, yeah, we're going to get, I think everyone's pissed at him for fucking bringing a goldfish around and, <laughs> and making plans and then flaking on them. That, that, that one hit hard because not that I like do any of that. Um, but I was like a, first of all, you'd look at a fucking calendar, or have a phone and check what the date is. But I do feel really bad because that woman seemed so fun and she was so excited. And then, like, for him to miss the date, it felt really sad. Like, yeah. I, I really, Oscar Isaac was really playing that Can role. you imagine if someone missed a date that you were supposed to have and just, like, completely ignored it? That would just be so disrespectful. I'd be really disrespectful. But I would also, I would accept where they were coming from and appreciate what Oh, yeah. Happened. Sorry. I black out sometimes. <laughs> And I was in a weird circle. It is going to be my number one excuse whenever I miss anything. I'm just going to say, really sorry. I was chained to my bed, but I might have also escaped because the tape on my door was actually broken. Uh, and I don't know where I went for two weeks. I might have traveled across the world. I think it's funny, though, that when 
he turns into Mark Spector that Mark Spector as a favor, like relocks him up at night. Like he's very clearly yeah. able to get undone yeah, yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah. Mark's like, you know what? This guy has a kink. I'm not going to shame him. <laughs> well, and I, I do, I find it interesting and I don't know if it's because of money or it's because of, I think the impact is great. Like it's a much cooler thing to see him like sort of black out and come back and have everyone dead. But I do also wonder like if they're going to, how much they'll be playing with that because it is a MCU show and a Disney plus show Yeah. of like, will it really be? Cause I mean like Moon Knight in the comics and just what we've seen in her is like, he fights like Batman. Like he just like breaks the shit out of people. Yeah. 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 And I don't know how much that sh- the show is really going to be able to pull that off. So I don't know how they're going to like play or toy with that. Well, at least in this first episode, it's smart to have them black out rather than try and film choreography. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly of them. I, I like, I really pray. I'm like in my head, I'm like, Oh, how Hitchcockian. It's so, you know, I just imagine the fighting is so much better. It's a great, I mean to, again, like it's a great technique. Like in all honesty, it, it shaves the time off of having to watch the sequences, but it's too bad that the, <laughs> I just, I'm fairly bad. I'm sure they probably didn't get, they got the probably short shrift of these like, but I'm sure the budgeting, like I don't think every, every show is going to cost the same. Yeah. And I think Moon Knight's one of their biggest risks because it's an unknown character. It's not really connected to the MCU yet. Um, So I think it just did feel like I'm like, are they cutting corners here? Like what happened? Why was it just, it like, it was worse than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in some capacity. I'm like, I know my bad network TV CGI. And it was like, rough even for that well when he's punching the jackal and the camera's you know going further into the bathroom and then he stands up and you can clearly see like a transition from an actual cape <laughs> from the cgi cape you're like oh, this is this is like ants yeah um where where do you want the show to go next well actually where i want the show to go is kind of based off of the comic we read um which was started in 2001 um, it's the six issue series Moon 21. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 2021. Uh, it was written by Jed McKay and Alessandro Cappuccino. Chuck Cappuccio. Yep. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to read the little blurb. About I it, sure but... do. Yeah. Thanks for that segue. Uh, this six issue so far series. Uh, so yeah. Six issue so far series taps a lot less into drug trip crazy town, seeing Mark in full control of his Moon Knight persona. Digesting the events post his battle with the Avengers to help Khonshu take over the world, the universe. I don't know. I didn't read it. Uh, much of the series so far focuses on his time with an Avengers-mandated therapist, helping citizens from the creeps in the night as the part of his midnight mission, and introducing Khonshu's left hand, the Hunter's Moon. So gods obviously have two hands, Mark. Uh, the main story arc revolves around the mysterious Zodiac, who is revealed as the string puller of all the bad shit happening in a Moon Knight, and his new vampire executive assistant, and all sort of other new friends and wards, some of whom are Hydra. What did you think of the six well, issues? So uh, going into this and where I'd like to see the series go, I think one of the it's an actually it's a very interesting six issue series that is worth reading um, because it really tries to focus on Mark dealing with the fact that he is this kind of priest for a god he doesn't really respect, but he's got nothing else and mm-hmm. he hates himself so much. And I think that there are a lot of characters in the MCU who are big time heroes who are like, we're all saving the world, but there aren't the like weirdly specific gods that you are uh, super powered beings yeah. that you would see in like tons of mythology where you're like, oh, it's the goddess of the hearth or mm-hmm. it's the the patron saint of of lost sailors to have someone who's got a motivation that's relatively niche and specific, I think can be interesting one because 
they're able to introduce like different kinds of characters in a fun way. Like maybe we'll get vampires in this. Maybe we'll get something mm-hmm. that's uh, that's specific to someone like Moon Knight that might not feel right with like Iron Man. Right. And then two, because then when we have like later stories where like Blade and there's like uh, or other characters of the night or the Midnight Suns are yeah. Was like, it Strike? I would think it, yeah, Midnight Suns. And I was also thinking of didn't we read the book Strike for? I can't remember the name of the yeah, book. But so yeah. that there that there's potential for some people to have a, a much more narrowed focus that isn't that isn't just based off of the convenience of storytelling. Like where the fuck are X characters when Thanos is doing whatever? Right. Um, why isn't you know uh, Wong helping out solve whatever problem? And it's like, yeah, you're giving a particular character uh, a narrow scope that can enhance their philosophy and their perspective. So when they're interacting with other characters, everyone's like, who the fuck is this psychotic pastor, priest, yep. nutso? Yeah, no, I think it's a good, I think to your exact point, like it's a good spin for adding, um, getting into the more magic, getting more into the dark, because you're exactly right. Like not everyone is going to be in every Avengers movie and not everyone should be in every Avengers movie. It's sort of like split your teams up and then focus and make more theme choices based on that. Because your exact point, based on this six issues so far, I would love to see more of like add an Elsa Bloodstone, get Blade in there, yeah. like create that dark area, dark magic area that even like a Wanda doesn't really touch because it's like that's more just like normal, you know, chaos magic. But... Chaos magic, Wanda. <laughs> uh, but they also it also has some great characters like Hunter's Moon. I think is a fun foil for, Jesus, so many S uh, <laughs> for uh, Moon Knight. You know, having this kind of like other worshiper of Kanchu who thinks of himself very highly and also has is like more put together, um, and also having Zodiac, this yeah. kind of crazy killer. I think there's a lot of potential for fun villains that might come in later seasons. Right. The only thing I would say for this issue, and I think I actually enjoy, I enjoyed the ride to figure out who and what this person was, but doesn't these, didn't these six issues feel like every other hiding in plain sight blast from the past or present villain that shakes up every so volatile? Like we just read uh, America Chavez last week and I was just like, does every solo six issue solo title always deal with someone coming back from the past and then fucking up their shit? Well, you don't have a lot of time and <laughs> you want to have as big impact as possible. So you can't, I don't think you can do for six issues, like an annual, right? Like, oh, isn't this a fun adventure? This character's on. You have to like, do something big enough that you get attention and then hopefully it gets picked up for longer. What I do really like about this that I think was different than like America Chavez or different than even like I always think of Batman Hush is a perfect example that like let's get everybody together but there's someone doing something in the back but wait they have a connection to somebody oh wait like it's just like at least this one didn't have a lot it had a lot to deal with his character but yeah. it was I loved the idea that he was talking to the therapist just like I, I was thinking about I'm like just realized right now why I liked Falcon the Winter Soldier so much is that it was him. It was like Bucky processing with the therapist. Like it's so much more interesting to watch the dynamic between someone talk to somebody and process stuff yeah. than it is to listen to someone narrate in their head. Cause that's, I think that's what really shifts this for me. Cause like bat hush was all about like Batman in his head and what was going on in him narrating about every single person versus this person being like, well, why would you do that? Or like, what made you cut? Like, are you thinking about it this way? Like, I just thought it was like a really yeah. cool way to do that sort of exploration. I just love that uh, Moon Knight is like, yeah, I uh, I protect passers in the night and um, I wear the brightest clothing <laughs> that anyone can possibly see 
so that they know I'm coming from a mile away. But it's not reflective, so he's definitely been hit by cars a couple of times. I, I, I don't know. There seems to be a glow. It's like He's like wearing that reflective material. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, final question on both Moon Knights and really just the TV show. Woodbone, yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, well... I, I was surprised at how un Oscar Isaac y Oscar Isaac looks as Steven. They did a good job of like his like turn up look where I'm like, I mean, obviously he's still attractive, but yeah. like he looks like the nerdy guy. You you actually believe he's just an attractive nerdy guy that like doesn't know he his own. He looks really sleepy. Self worth. Exactly. Yeah. He, like, pl- oh, he plays that super is well. Is sleepy the new sexy? Do you think you would pass Arthur's test? No. What do you really? What do you think you're going to do in the future that's so bad that an Egyptian god wants you dead? But then second, what in the future? <laughs> what have I done? Uh, I do like that actually. That uh, that test. Um, I can't remember if it's right, but in the Egyptian mythology, it's um, Osiris who judges whether or not your heart is heavier than a feather. That sounds. And if it's, if it's lighter, then you are able to go to their version of. Uh, you know the afterlife. Nirvana, yeah. Otherwise, you're eaten by uh, a mite or whatever it oh. is. Uh, the she's like head of a crocodile and then yes. body of a or legs of a lion. Oh, call me sometime. Uh, Do you think you'd pass? I th- I'd like to think so, but I after that old lady died, I was like, oh no, I couldn't pass this test of that because she's just like. Uh, but what if she was like a huge bitch? She probably murdered like three people. Well, no, because it said he's like because Ethan Hawke's like I. Th- I think you're great, but <laughs> who knows what you're going to do later. And then it kills her, but she doesn't do it later then. Well, I don't I don't know what this Egyptian minority report. <laughs> That's <laughs> actually rules what are. it is. That's exactly what it is. Well, yeah, yeah we'll be here every uh, every Thursday recapping the uh, show. So definitely our episodes come out Friday. So well, great. Doing it I'm Friday. trapped in a time tunnel now because we announced all the details of how we do this podcast. Because I don't respect what we do. Um, let's get on to the issues. Uh, the issues is our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel House writers and characters. This week, we have one, obviously we read uh, Moon Knight earlier, but our real focus is on Immortal X-Men number one. So Immortal X-Men, written by Karen Gillan and Lucas Warnock as artist. Sinister self-narrates the kickoff issue for Gillan's new series, focused on the inner machinations of the Quiet Council and the first of the new Destiny of X arc. Magneto takes a surprising step down from the Quiet Council, which causes a rapid nomination and voting process, with Hope stepping up and Celine getting pissed. We also find out that Irene and Sinister have had their own little flashback combo similar to Myra and Charles, and that Sinister is playing out lives of Moira with genetic clones to figure out what's up. Um, what did you think? I'll start with Brett. <laughs> you you can you can share your thoughts. No, first. I'm facilitating. <laughs> well, because I also have Brett. What you think? I, I also have Kaylin's thoughts if he wants to. Oh, first. that's fine. Let, Kaylin, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> It's a very strong. No, I'm not going to do a Kaylin voice. <laughs> it's a very strong uh, Kieran Gillen esque opening issue. It's kind of reminiscent of like Eternals or Wicked and the Divine, that it's trying to set some scope of like, you know, where things like could be. Like a remake. Yeah. yeah what's like going to happen? I don't know. I think of it, I, I think that's reasonable because it kind of reminds me of like uh, Sandman or something like that, where there you feel like the expanse of where things can go and what characters can do is like a huge sandbox mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rather than some linear story that's you know like exactly predictable. Yeah, um, I was going to compare it to the Real Housewives, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Kalen wishes this book had existed at the start of the Hickman era because it would have been more 
um, it would have been a better narrative for Moira, Charles, you know, Magneto, you know, from Hawks and Pox to Inferno. Oh, yeah, like two Rather runs. than having Mr. Sinister. I don't know. I like this from Mr. Sinister's perspective because he has so much bravado and it feels like he's always moving chess pieces. It's kind of nice to see that there's a bumbling clumsiness like it's the swans kicking underneath the water yeah I, well because and i think the narration really helps because uh, it really the the hardest part for me and this is not a knock on karen gillen because i think he's writing all the characters really well the first issue is well written it's fun it's interesting i i know i haven't read a ton of and i think he might have even started the trend for gay um gay sinisters a queer coded sinister but i'm like zeb what like he was just so good in hellions yeah so i really like what's in here but i just that the that wit and that like the writing capability of zebit bringing out that like craziness of the character and that cattiness of the character just works so well so it shows up here and it's good yeah but i i do agree that i i would say i would agree with you that i'm like this is the time for the book because i think if they had done it before we kind of got a bunch of the i bet every other vote they had was not interesting (laughs) And like every other like behind yeah, the scenes interaction wasn't they're great. They're voting on like municipalities. Right. Like, what, what do we do with the gr- trash? Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you're like the bar. The fucking blob wants to quit his job because he's like, why am I serving people when I could just be drinking here? Like, it's just that there is an example where it's like all the big scenes happen and they happen really well in yeah. all the individual books. And now that it's together, now I'm excited because there are more tweaks. Like Emma being pissed at Magneto and Charles. Myra not being in the picture, so not having to worry about that. Fucking Krakoa and Cypher knowing what's really happening. Like, I, the Sinister Secrets was excellent in terms of, like, what do people know? What do I know? What do, I, like, they not know? Like, all that sort yeah, of yeah, stuff yeah. was a great breakdown and, like, a reset. Um, and it sounds weird, but it is, like, a really good jumping on point because they do a lot of explanations. Like, there's even the um, map, like, in the back of, like, where the whole location of Krakoa is. But you can tell that they're really trying to, I think, more than any other arc of this X since Hox and Pox, this is like a real Destiny of X, I think, is a real reboot and a reconfiguration for them of like these bigger stories they're trying to tell since Inferno obviously just ended. Yeah, to be clear, Kalen does like sinister narrating and especially him being, you know, a queer character and maintaining that even still. Um, I was I loved the you know, act surprised. Yes. Ryan Kroll level. What? Yeah. What? Should I, I should have turned it down. Like, too much? It's fun because it's a lot more than I think we've gotten in Sinister Head before. So even in Hellions, he was so great, but it's because we didn't get a lot of his behind the scenes process. And I think it, it really does amp it up uh, for sure. Here. So with the vote for Celine over Hope, um, Clark did not love the way that uh, people voted because it didn't seem right without getting into that too much. What did you think of the vote? My read of it was that it wasn't voting between Celine or Hope. It was like voting, is Hope the right one? Yeah. And then they would have a separate issue if Hope was not. It wasn't like a either or debate. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't believe that they would. I figured it was just a vote for Hope. And if it was going to be more or less. She made a really convincing case on us. Like, Celine's yeah. like, I'll just fuck y'all up. Is like, well, stupid. She, she had a good point about like the absence of magic. Right. And I made the bones and did this. Where's like, the magic? I, I do think that it, it feels like it does feel like a forced, con- not in a bad way. Cause both of them did have like legitimate claims to the, the council. I just think that they spent, they've spent so much time harnessing, that uh connection amongst the five and what they mean for the mutants and like 
how they've always been sort of like you think of X Factor, they had to keep secrets from people. They obviously had the thing with resurrecting destiny. Like there's been so much more buildup that like I get it. It's just like to cause this like thing. But I'm like in my brain, if I was on that council, like hope is definitely the answer. Yeah, because there's also, you know, so many times where we've seen suggestions by the five be rejected or legitimate criticisms of the process coming into yeah. question and there's no one there who actually represents that voice. Well, it's like if you're even ri- if I would have liked Celine as a contrast, but right. you can't have all contrasts. Right. If you're literally trying to if you if you're if like what is it? I think of Xavier Magneto and other people who want to keep the status quo a little bit of Krakoa, like you're not gonna do that by I think she's a spot on, which is like, well if I'm not on this and they found out that I was going for it, people are gonna be upset. I'm like, well yeah, of course they would. You're literally creating the lifeblood of Krakoa, which is people <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the science. Uh, Mr. Sinister has several Moiras and a plan to embed them with knowledge, then kill them, <laughs> then un- pull all of their memories from a timeline he wasn't in. Do you love this idea or do you love this idea more than any other idea possible? I'm glad you understood it because when I was writing the recap for it, I was like, I think is th- I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> like, so if Moira so knows stuff... I would give her all the knowledge I had, Yeah, kill her, and then another version of me can download all the information from her that, that a prior a prior version of me had. Right. But like with these clones, if any of them die, won't that... Reset but, this reality? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but that doesn't matter to Mr. Sinister. Because, I, yeah. And I think it's perfect for someone like him. Because he ultimately doesn't really seem to care whether or not he's the real one or is a clone. Any alternate version of him is just as great as he is. Right. I mean, I guess he does have some affection for the, uh, uh, you know, Sinister Prime. But when you, I'm like, literally, I still like, I'm like, I get it, but I don't get it. But, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe they won't be reset in this timeline because... The Moira of this timeline resets this timeline. Oh, yeah. Well, and I now I see what it's saying. He's basically just saying he's created these so when these sequences do happen and the world starts over again, that Sinister can download all of the information that had come from. Yes. The, okay, that makes a little bit more sense to me because I thought he was like him as the like Sinister Prime. He was going to somehow find ways to harness it versus... Well, Get he it. he would harness it because he's always the one who's going to harness it because he's always the one who puts it in her, right, in her brain. And then in my other I, my other idea, I thought she was he was like weirdly running sequences or running like she was like having a virtual life of like doing whatever, and then she died, and then it came back. But um, how would that help him? I don't fucking That's just know. like putting it on I got to say, I was like, look, oh, it's, it's not perfect. It's not it's perfect. Just my, the minute I saw Myra clones, I was like, fuck yes. And then I was like, I don't know what he's going to do, but that sounds good to me. I don't understand this at, <laughs> at all. all. There's a giant tapeworm outside and I <laughs> don't just, understand what's happening. That was also ridiculous too. I was like, was the, the gate was just a giant tapeworm? Yeah. We're, let's time. save the, uh, the sinister secrets and our predictions until next episode. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll get everybody them. talking about them. Let's get into a little... It's a news flash. It's the news, but way later than all your other news sources. <laughs> um, so in some sad news, uh, Gary Leach passed away uh, this week at age 67. Leach was um, the comic book artist responsible for helping co-create um, Miracle Man. At the time, it was Marvel Man, but then because of copyright issues with Al- uh, Alan Moore. 
Miracle Man is like one of my favorite comic series. His art style is very clear and uh, it's fantastic. He has a lot of stuff that, you know, kind of feels it automatically feels vintage, even if it's relatively more modern. Um, he also wrote for uh, 2000 AD, which publishes a bunch of, um, you know, sci-fi stories, most famously of which is Judge Dredd, which he's worked on. He's worked on a bunch of different stuff. He's a fantastic artist. Uh, so if you have, if there's any time, now is it to go back and revisit some of his work because uh, he's a great colorist, pencilist. Um, you know, he's got very clear, understandable images that are still powerful. Um, so yeah, I definitely wasn't the as you now not the biggest fan of Miracle Man overall, but I 100% agree with your assessment of his artwork, which was like it was just very bold, very beautiful, and to your point, timeless because I think it always, no matter when he drew it or how he drew it, always stuck out as like very high quality, very specific of the like decade kind of thing, but it never felt like old. It did feel like even when we, I had only read Miracle Man like years after it was done. And I was like, Oh, this is still very pretty to look at. It was just like a, it's, it's a very like your point of coloring in particular, I thought was really great. So we wish condolences to his family. Um, obviously again, check out some of his work. It's fantastic. Um, moving on. Uh, because everyone is stealing our idea to do a comic-related uh, March Madness bracket. <laughs> DC Comics has their own round-robin tournament, which has returned with storylines you don't care about and we don't either. Uh, let's just read some of the titles that are in contention. Oh, I'm uh, excited. So we've got Green Lantern, The Birth of a Conspiracy. All right, normal. Um, Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow. Uh, Black Canary, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Uh, Aquaman, wait, really? A dating with a por- a date with a porpoise. Uh, are You Smarter Than a Brainiac? A small number of minor inconvenience on a small part of one earth. Owl Court, Seeking Justice in the Dark. Dark-sided. Dark-sided! An autobiography of the God Warrior from Trading Spouses. I've got to say, they're really like throwbacks, I guess. Dark-sided! <laughs> There's DC must not be Christians for writing this type of content. Get your money out of here. (laughs) Uh, And then the flash too fast to be furious. Uh, That's all stupid. And (laughs) so is the round Robin. We hope you giggle. Yeah. There's one about a carrot man. I don't know, man. I I don't, we don't follow DC. I, they, I, I appreciate the fun marketing concept of let's get people to vote on green lighting a title. But if you have to do that, it means that they're mainly just trying to see what will sell. And also those series probably won't be very good because they're rushing to kind of like put those together. I'm all for uh, like trying to figure out like workshopping ideas in some way to see what people are actually interested in. But it also does remove your editorial discretion to say, this is actually someone who's we think is good and we support them. It's more like, well, what will make us... I know that they're a business, but... Well, this is at me also have my promotional hat on, which is just like, I I cannot believe that any of these books is that too far along in the... Like, so I think to your point, it's like fun to have some voting, but also you're you're like, you're buying population is not always your social media population. So it's also a bit of a gamble to just like, cause if you go to the Twitter verse and ask a fucking poll and try making marketing decisions based on that and only that maybe not going to work out in your favor for the broader population of the world kind of thing. So, um, it's a cute idea though. I mean, it certainly gets us to talk about it. So it's working cause we never talk about DC. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on with, uh, some flash ish related news. 
We've long reported on the continuing meltdown of one Ezra Miller. Um, and the current incident he's tangled up in is a doozy. So apparently in Hawaii, Miller got arrested for harassing people in a bar, including stealing a microphone from like a 23 year old woman to sing karaoke. And then he also lunged at a guy who was, you know, throwing darts. Um, so he got arrested um, after the bar even tried to like calm him down. And then he had bail set for five hundred dollars which a couple paid and then there was like some of them like him showing him around or them showing him around and he would like run errands for them a little bit but eventually he kind of snapped in the dead of night and threatened to kill them and called the like the wife a slut and then he stole a bunch of their stuff including their passports and like uh their wallets and identifications and so they had to get a restraining order out on him, which is now in effect. I didn't fully read all of the kind of like experience because I wanted to be surprised in this podcast. And this is wilder than I would have ever thought. It's a very, <laughs> we have talked about how douchey he is and how many incidents he's had where it just seems like it's water on a duck's back, like that it just doesn't affect his career in any way. Uh, I don't know if he's got some underlying mental health issues. And so at this point, it's getting harder and harder to joke about it. Yeah. Like, I want him to not hurt people or himself. Yeah. But I also don't want, like, like it's it's creepy to me how much the industry does Just not care yeah. about, like, this. They're, they're more interested in, like, how many dollars can we pump out of a person while they're still functioning? Because this is the kind of shit that, if unchecked, will lead to someone getting seriously it hurt. It does sound like massive privilege combined with potential mental health issues <laughs> so they're like it's like on one hand i'm like you know when anthony star lost his shit you were like oh that guy's probably just drunk well you don't know who you messed with <laughs> but you, you know, made the mistake of your, your life <laughs> just wanted to get you to start talking about it again <laughs> um but yeah i mean like this this is like anthony star was like an, an eight or nine out of like celebrity 10 of like what the fuck are you doing this is like Full stop. Like it, it goes back to some of the situations that happened in the past where like they were funny. Well, I think I think of Anthony Starr as being like a six or a seven because <laughs> you'd have to go. It's Anthony Starr. And people go, who? who? Uh, he's Homelander. <laughs> oh, who? I meant- <laughs> from the boys. What? On Amazon Prime. I know what that is. Oh, I meant from the the what the person did to oh, fuck oh, up oh, and have no yeah. money. Yes. Definitely. Well, telling someone, you know, throwing a glass in someone's face and saying, <laughs> I'm going to look for you. I want to kill you. you. <laughs> I still don't fully understand. Like, because he's looking right at him. You found him already. Yeah, he's right <laughs> there. But, but no, Ezra, get the help you need, uh, and also and get the hell away from that couple. I know that that's the part that's the like worst. What feels good and bad is that like this couple kind of invited this into their life because they probably saw a celebrity and was like, "We gotta take care of Ezra Miller." I, I don't want to blame people for him. To, yeah, victim I mean, blaming. Like, you're right. I don't want to do that. It's, so it's like, fair. yeah, on the one hand, there's no way they couldn't have looked at the scenario and thought like, "Would you who, pay five hundred dollars for Ezra Miller to get out of jail?" Well, here's a question: Would I pay five hundred dollars <laughs> for any random person to get out of prison? And the answer is no. Unless they're a celebrity. <laughs> you have to have that in the back. Well, because you want that story. Yeah. And like, boy, did they get a story. Like, um, I mean, I can, again, everything that happened to them is wrong. But it's like, hopefully they get everything back. And hopefully they settle in like an actual court thing of like, give me my fucking money. 
Because when they're 70, they're going to go, ah, you remember when Ezra Miller threatened to kill us? <laughs> oh, <laughs> they would just watch the Justice League and laugh for the first time. <laughs> they, of any audience they're member. showing their like, grandchildren this, and they're like, you know, yeah. that guy, and, and when it's Flash 47 into the multiverse, yeah. they're like, you know, that guy almost choked your granddad to death after we bailed him out of jail. I mean, and it's also especially crazy. I mean, maybe it's the power trip, but... <laughs> Ezra Miller is in like two of the largest franchises that are currently running right now. He's in, he's in the Justice League stuff, but yeah. like he's got his own Flash movie and the person of being a Wallflower universe. Uh, the, <laughs> the is was he in that? I think and so. The, and um, and the uh, uh, Harry Potter. He's in the. Oh, Fantastic you're right. Beast he is. I definitely them, saw him run away. Um, where he's just kind of like Boy, a background character. That fucking movie series has. Way too many people that are getting caught up in domestic abuse. Or, well, every movie series now has to have uh, domestic abusers and anti-vaxxers. Jesus Christ! Uh, at least two-thirds ratio. All right. In our last segment, uh, it's uh, plug me, daddy. We like to wrap up with a little something we call plug me, daddy, where we each get a chance to quickly <laughs> highlight something that we've read, seen, heard, experienced. Wanted to share with you our little cummies. <laughs> Jesus, every week just change. That Ryan's not here, but he's here. Yeah. In, in the, in the uh, do you have a, a plug me? <sighs> you go first, because I'm trying to think of a better one than I one I already have. Well, mine is actually going to be a recipe. Oh. Uh, so my recipe is for a perfect margarita. Um, it is, you, you just keep in mind the ratio 2 one, 1. Two parts tequila, one part triple sec or simple syrup, one part lime juice. You're going to have a great margarita, great time. You can always add a variation like a few slices of a jalapeno, pineapple, muddle them together. But if you've got that staple 2-1-1, everyone's going to be like, oh, this is such a good, fresh, this is just like, this is how margaritas are supposed to be at Applebee's. <laughs> I will double, I, will, I have my own plug, but I will double plug your perfect margarita because uh, before I knew you, I used to just buy some disgusting margarita mix. Which was also still delicious, and I still no, it isn't. It's garbage, and I hate you. But I used to do that with triple sec and tequila. And then you said, "Why are you putting so much shit in that cup?" And then said, "Just use regular juice." And that's how we make we do two one one or two two. Do it. Two, Either one, way, one, yeah. I pop a big two, swig one, of tequila. Oh, two, two, a four. <laughs> what is? Oh no, my. Well, so I, we've advanced your recipe. It's a it's a giant weird like. It I don't know how to describe it. It was part of like a set that I just use as a measuring. It's like part of like a charcuterie set that I use as a measuring spoon that doesn't have any measures on it. You make me sick. But it's one of those of tequila, one of those of triple sec, and then you cut half of a lime and you squeeze the juice in it, and then you've got your... I don't like that proportion because that's too much of the sugary orange liqueur. Um, oh. Uh, so you make me sick. <laughs> And I don't respect you as a person. What's your actual? My actual plug is that, uh, and I hate this because I wish I was also paid. Can you do now. it like unplugged, like Eric Clapton? Hey, hey everybody! No, you got to take out the microphone. Oh, death is <laughs> no just electronics. Yeah, <laughs> uh, plug it in the bathroom by yourself. Hey, everybody! <laughs> um, no, I was just telling you before we started this podcast that Peloton now has boxing <laughs> workouts. And it actually wasn't really, I used to like do a bunch of like semi shadow, like not real boxing, just shadow boxing, all that stuff. And I've always enjoyed it. Uh, Is that where you stand behind someone and box? Just box. <laughs> and I just keep screaming at my shadows and punching the wall. <laughs> um, no, but like they, they were starting like a course, sort of like a course set of classes. I didn't like them because it was like trying to build you up to learn how to do it. And I definitely have done stuff before. So it didn't feel like I was getting a workout. 
but they started doing like 30 minute and 45 minute upper body, lower body, full body boxing courses. And while I was doing it, I was like, this is whatever. I just did it like yesterday. And then I told you when I got in here, I was just so fucking exhausted because every part of my body that I don't normally use, if I'm doing like a bike or doing lifting yeah. or just working out, walking around, finally got some movement. Um, so I'm just super excited because it gives me more like freedom and flex. This is like such a weird body and health plug me down. <laughs> that I, I don't think so. Margaritas here's a drink not, and yeah. here's your body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't but know. Just Peloton now comes with defibrillators, right? <laughs> just in case you die. <laughs> For all the people who have heart attacks. Apparently. I mean, I will, I'll throw in my video game. I have been playing nearly a hundred hours of triangle strategy. If you love trying, I just like can't recommend things. If you're I keep like Pythagoras, them. you love <laughs> triangle strategy, but you hate calculating the hypotenuse. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> all right. That's been our episode. You can find us on Twitter at Homosphere X and Instagram at Homosphere Podcast. Rate and review us if you like us. Be sure to send your thoughts to us on Twitter or Instagram about how you think the mutant madness bracket challenge is going. And send not safe for work picks to Kalen. Don't as forget. As many as you possibly can. They don't even have to be of you. They could be of cows or... <laughs> how is there a not safe for work photo of a cow? It's got an erection. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We've been Homo Superior and I promise it'll never be just Britain Adam again. <laughs> Bye.